Just in time for the holidays, select Craftsman tools are now available at Napa. Celebrate with a Craftsman 20-volt cordless impact wrench kit for just $149.99. It's the perfect gift for everyone in your list, even you. So get great savings on select Craftsman tools, now available at your local Napa store. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores, while supplies last. Offer ends 12-31-19. Totally discreet. Thank you. We got one! The call! Gonna tell you a story about a little town I know. They had a real big problem with the big thing local gold. Hi, welcome to the Geeky Retro Nerd Show uh, podcast. My name's Adam and I am a Geeky Retro Nerd. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me again for part two of this Ghostbusters episode. Obviously, Ghostbusters is such a great movie. You can't fit it all into a 15-minute episode. So two two part of this one. This is the second part. If you missed the first part, go and find it and have a listen, then come back. Um, So... I included that clip at the start there because it's, it's such a wonderful clip from the movie and I included it for a couple of reasons. First reason is it, it's a great clip. It's so cool. It's the first call. And as a viewer, you're thinking, right, here we go. Let's go. What they're going to do, what's going to happen, what they're going to find. And the second reason is because it, I think it demonstrates how great the writing is on the script for this movie. So Janine takes the call and she says, uh, yes, they're serious, or they'll be totally discreet. And the first thing Venkman says is, when he walks in the hotel lobby, is, hey, did anybody see a ghost? <laughs> yeah, very discreet, uh, Venkman, nice one. So in the last episodes, I spoke about how Dan Aykroyd got the idea for Ghostbusters, how he got Ivan Reitman and Harold Ramis involved in writing the movie. And I promised that in this second part, I would talk about um, how Richard Edlund, the fantastic special effects guy, got involved and how they went about casting the roles for a love interest 
a neighbour, a secretary and a fourth member of the Ghostbuster team. And the reference material I'm using for this, again, is this fantastic book. I mentioned it in the last part of this episode. Um, it's Ghostbusters, The Ultimate Visual History. And it's written by Daniel Wallace and also includes a foreword by Dan Aykroyd. And it has an introduction by Ivan Reitman also. And it's a wonderful book. Um, loads of great text and photos. Loads of great information. If, if you're a huge fan of the film, you, you will already already know some stuff but there's an absolute ton more in this book, so I can, I can totally recommend it. Um, so anyway, yes, casting. So they knew they wanted a love interest, and they looked to Sigourney Weaver. So in this book, it says, um, or, or Sigourney Weaver remembers that no one ever sent me comedy. Um, and she was asked to audition for the role. So... What she says is, is, in the course of the audition, I did something where I actually turned into a terror dog, she says. And because I was from the theatre and Ivan didn't say a cut, I started to turn into a dog. <laughs> I growled and ripped his cushions up in his office a little bit and it ended with me howling and shaking. I was doing it in earnest, to be funny of course, and he stopped the tape and said, don't ever do that again. <laughs> if the editor saw that you were doing, saw what you were doing, he'd want to use it because it's so grotesque. I wonder if there's a tape still exists of that. <laughs> that would be hilarious to see. Um, so thanks to her incredible audition. Um, she got the role. And, and looking for her, she did, because she's absolutely brilliant. So then they're looking at casting a neighbour. And originally, Dana's neighbour, uh, Lois Tully, is drawn wide-bodied and full-faced. And originally, they wanted Lois to be played by the comedian who we all know and love, John Candy. And Ramis and Murray both starred with Candy in Stripes, and Lewis was written in the same vein as Johnny LaRue, the character in that film um, that Candy portrayed. And it says here that really Candy just didn't want to play that kind of role again. Uh, but he also had some strange ideas that the director didn't want to deal with. And it says here in the book that Candy's suggestions included giving Lewis a, th a thick German accent and Rottweilers as pets. And it was decided that th those ideas were just too out there. And in the end, uh, Reitman reached out to Candy's colleague from um, uh, SCTV, uh, Rick Moranis. So they, they, they approached him and they asked him if he wanted to do it. And what happened was, uh, basically Moranis collaborated with Ramis to rewrite some scenes and penned other scenes of his own. And what it says in the book here is, is, we let Rick form his own character, sort of a nerd. And it goes on to say that Lewis's dinner party, in which he invites clients instead of friends, <laughs> a hilarious scene, um, so he can claim the affair as a promotional expense. That was Moranis's idea. It came from the mind of Moranis. So, th so that, was his, that was him writing his own role. Um, and Aykroyd says, basically, Lewis was a thumbnail sketch, a template, where any actor could have come in and said the lines. But Rick Moranis took that part and ran with it. He basically rewrote it completely and added all kinds of dialogue and elements that we never even thought of. So, 
great respect to Moranis there. He did a tremendous job. If he, if he basically rewrote that role, he did an absolutely fantastic job, didn't he? He's one of the best characters in the film. So then they looked to fill the role of Janine, who was the secretary for the Ghostbusters. And the part was briefly considered for comedian Sandra Bernhard. Uh, but Annie Potts won the role instead. Um, says in the book here, exhibiting an admirable ability to remain unimpressed in the middle of chaos and wielding a famously brassy voice. And she did that so well, didn't she? Everything that was going on, you know, it, it's it's the events of the film are incredibly wacky but she remains to you know she manages to remain so unimpressed with the whole situation so um straight faced she's absolutely brilliant um and she says here i'm a southerner but i had a friend who had a very specific new york accent so i thought i'd just do her um of course this is annie potts who won the role um, and she says it's funny that after she did that part, she actually lost out on auditions because people were saying she was too ethnic, too New Yorky. Um, and it's again, it says here, which is a fantastic element of the movie. Janine's unflappable armor only cracks when she's close to Egon Spengler. Um, and and it's a, fi- a fantastic dynamic of the movie, isn't it? The relationship between those two characters because <laughs> she's quite flirty with him and Egon's totally oblivious <laughs> for the most part of the movie. It's absolutely hilarious. And actually what it says in the book here is um, their subtly building romance was to have been a larger subplot in the film, though many scenes building up to their connection, including Janine giving Egon her 1964 World's Fair lucky coin, wouldn't survive the editing process. So that's a shame. It would have been good to see see some of those scenes and, and see that romance blossom. But I think it's fine the way it is in the movie, isn't it? Um, like I say I think it's absolutely hilarious so then we move on to the fourth Ghostbuster so during the writing of the script they knew they wanted a fourth Ghostbuster the three roles were always going to be played by Ackroyd, Ramis, Murray so they had to cast a fourth Ghostbuster and that fourth Ghostbuster was of course Winston Zeddemore and Winston's role was to fill a critical role in the movie as the voice of the common man, able to ask questions that provide technical or plot information to the audience. Reitman says, In the process of writing, we realised that we needed someone who wasn't part of that initial college group. Somebody who came in off the street who could ask the questions that a lay person would ask. Everyone thought that Winston was written for Eddie Murphy, but Eddie was really only going to co-star with Dan Aykroyd in his original version of the story. Nobody ever spoke to Eddie about being in the film. And with it says here, with each revision of the script, Winston's role evolved dramatically. We bent over backward to make Winston's character good, and in doing so, we made him so good that he was the best character in the movie, said Ramis. Um, we looked at it and said, Jesus, he's got all the good lines. <laughs> uh, among the story beats originally given to Zeddemore was the initial confrontation with the hotel ghost and the mental conjuring that led to the creation of the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. So, so as it says in the book here, he had all the best stuff. So at the same time, everybody was saying Bill's character was a little weak. So little by little, we started shifting Winston's attitude to Bill's character, which made perfect sense, and we ended up delaying Winston's introduction until much later in the film. So Winston was meant to be 
in from the start. He was meant to appear much, much earlier in the movie. But with that sort of realisation that he had all the best stuff and the best lines and, and moving some of that over to Bill Murray's character, they decided to bring him in a lot later in the script. And those changes didn't appear until the delivery of a new script several weeks into rehearsal. Um, Ernie Hudson, of course, who plays who plays Winston Zeddemore, says suddenly Winston was coming in on page 68 as opposed to page 8. It was a real adjustment for me psychologically because I still had to show up and bring the best that I had, but there was a part of me that was really disappointed. And I suppose you would be, wouldn't you? That you're meant to be in from the start and all of a sudden you're sort of, sort of halfway through. And I think Ernie does a, a, a great job of playing Winston Zeddemore. So I've got a couple of minutes left to talk about how Richard Edland got involved in Ghostbusters. Um, I'm getting this straight from the book. Fortunately for Ghostbusters, Richard Edland, the esteemed special effects designer of Raiders of the Lost Ark and the Star Wars trilogy, was actually ready to leave Industrial Light and Magic after seven years with the company. So Edlin says that he'd been down in LA after finishing Return of the Jedi and he knew he was going to be leaving ILM, but he'd injured his back because he'd lifted something too heavy off his Land Rover and had to go to the hospital for minor surgery. While he was in the hospital, he got a call from Ivan Reitman to do Ghostbusters and he was looking to launch his own effects company, but he needed funding and he needed film projects uh, to put in the pipeline to get that funding. So two studios, Columbia and MGM, helped Edlin get things kicked off for his new venture, Boss Film Studios. And luckily for us, you know, they got they were able to get Edlin involved and get his new company set up because the film looks great. The effects are decent for the time, I suppose. It might look a little dated now. Um, but, you know, back then it was like, wow, it, it looked absolutely amazing. So great job. I could talk for hours and hours about Ghostbusters, especially with this this book I've got here. It's got loads of material in. I might do another episode of Ghost, Ghostbusters later on. I don't know. Um, but just quickly, before I finished, I looked on the scores for IMDb. They give it a 7.8 out of 10, which is ridiculous. It should be 10 out of 10. Metacritic give it a 71%, which I thought was quite low. It should be 100%. And 92% of Google users liked this film, which is slightly better, but it should be 100%. So thanks for listening. Um, I'm going to put a poll on my Twitter feed so you can vote for the next episode. Keep an eye out for that. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I'll hopefully I'll speak to you soon. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. For a gift that goes beyond the holidays, don't miss the Xfinity Beyond Black Friday event. Ask how to get $150 back on a package with the ultimate Wi-Fi and Xfinity X1. Your all-in-one entertainment experience. Simple, easy, awesome. Click, call, or visit us today. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas.